0: You're listening to the Centre Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Over the past couple of services, we've been looking at Jesus in a, hopefully maybe a new perspective, a different perspective. Last week, we I shared about Jesus being the curtain and uh, him providing a new and living way into God's presence. That right from the very beginning right from the time of the Israelites in the desert, God's intention has always been to dwell with His people. Right from Adam and Eve, He, he dwelt with them. Sin separated them. And, but God's, we, we saw a picture from the tabernacle. The tabernacle was set in the center of the camp. And uh, in the center of the tabernacle was the Holy of Holies. And in that place, God's holy presence dwelt. But around the, the Holy the holy of Holies was this curtain. And that curtain stood as a barrier between everyone else And the God's presence. And only the high priest would go in once a year. And that was with fear and trembling. Would go into the Holy of Holies and offer this atonement for the sins of themselves and the sins of the people. But when Jesus came, he he tore the curtain in two. And he proclaimed he was becoming the curtain. He was the curtain in which actually no longer was it a barrier that everyone had to kind of stand at the outside of. But actually he made a way that we could enter into the presence of God. That... We could come through Him. And in coming through the curtain, coming through Jesus actually, in that passing through the curtain, new life was given. We, we stepped into something new. The old us came alive in Jesus. And in that moment of coming through the curtain, we were transformed. We are transformed. Grace and peace and love and joy and all of that is found on the other side of the curtain of Jesus Christ. This way is the way that Jesus is made. And and in fact, Jesus says, I am the only way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can only pass through me. There's no other kind of back door into God's presence. It only We only can come to Jesus. This is what Jesus accomplished upon the cross. He became this curtain. On Good Friday, we looked at Jesus being the sacrifice, paying once and for all for our sins. Like... Uh, there was a like-for-like like sacrifice. And again, we looked at Scripture that, you know, an animal couldn't die in our place. It could only atone for our sins, but couldn't remove our sins. Our, our conscience as man was was still here. Our guilty conscience was still upon us. Yet when Jesus came, He died once and for all, that all of our sins would be removed, cleansing our consciences. And in that moment, being made righteous and holy in Him. That when He looks upon us, He doesn't see us as as individuals that have all these flaws, still. but actually the father looks upon us and sees Jesus. He sees us as holy. He sees us as righteous because of what Christ has done, because of his blood that was spilled up for you and for me. We receive all of this. The power of sin and death was broken and all of this is us, is ours through faith in Jesus. All of what Jesus has done is ours. And this morning we're going to look at one step further. We're going to look at Jesus being the great high priest. Now, before we do that, when someone is alive, as we are in this room, uh, it's common practice for us to make a will, isn't it? And a will is something that we would draw up that when we pass away, we would say, this is this bit of money will go to this person, and this part of my estate will go to this this individual or this uh, charity or whatever it is. If we have children, we, we would say who's going to take care of them. Um, if we have an insurance policy... That money is also then divided out as to where that money is going to go. And so all of these things happen in a a will. We write a a last will and testament. This is my final statement to the world of what I want being done with my life when I'm gone. Yes, does everyone know what this is? A will. We have a will. Now, a will is a very important thing because without a will, then the state looks after everything you've got. And sometimes that turns into a bit of a mess. So it's good to have a will. By the way, it's good to have a will, okay? Good to have a will. I've, I've, we've heard of people that, you know, fake their own death uh, only to take advantage of the benefits of being dead, um, right? If you've got a good life insurance policy, sometimes it's better to be dead than alive. But the problem is when you're dead, you can't enjoy your life insurance policy. And so I've seen shows and we've seen documentaries of people who pretend to be dead, fake the, the death, you know, died at sea, only to be living somewhere else with their their insurance money. Um, but they get found out eventually. A will cannot be put in motion until a person is clearly dead, though, right? There needs to be a death certificate. There needs to be something that says, this person has died. Now, when the, 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 the person dies, the will of the deceased is given to an executor. And uh, this is usually a person choose, uh, previously chosen by the deceased, When alive, um, just to make that clear, to execute the wishes of, of the deceased, of the person who has passed away. And they stand as a mediator between the will and the recipients of the will. Yes? This is a great Easter message, isn't it? You think, what on earth is this all about? When we read in Hebrews chapter 9, we see this. Hebrews chapter 9, 16 to 22. says, in the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who's made it. Because a will is enforced only when someone has died. It never takes effect while the one who, uh, who made it is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put in effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every commandment of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves, together with water, scarlet wool, and branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll, and all the people, he said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled the blood of both, uh, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and everything used in it. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. The old covenant with the Israelites was in fact it was, in effect, God's will, right? He put it in place His will. This is what I wish of you people. This is my law. This is what I command. And animals were killed to put this law into effect. Now, God, at that time, established His law with the people, but He also put in place those who would administer the law, those who would execute the law, and those were the priests, He chose the Levites, the tribe of Levi, to, to, in effect, be the executors of his will. The the, the tribe of Levi were chosen to fulfill this requirement. Now, when we look at the priests, we see that the priests represented uh, the people in matters relating to God. They served as this intermediator. They, they, they helped bridge the gap. They were the only ones that went into God's presence. They were the ones that were, the ones that were to receive, they had the law. The, the priests had the law. And they were the ones to also instruct the law. They were the ones to teach the law. They were the ones to, to to take everyone else on the journey of understanding what it was to fulfill God's will. And so they were the executors of the will. The priests were the executors. Does that make sense? The, the priests were the executors of the will. They also served as judges. Because again, if you have the law, and there's a, there's a, a dispute amongst people, if you're the ones who knows what God's will is, a dispute about how we should live, then you would go to the people who knew the law and say, okay, well, what does the law say? Well, the law says this, this, this. So they became the judge as well. Just like in a family situation, when someone passes away and there's a dispute over the estate. have you ever heard of these kind of moments where people think they should are entitled to this? But the executor of the will is the one who's the judge as to what should happen, right? Because they go to the will. The will is the law for the family, Or what law for whoever's involved in in the recipients of this, the estate, they're the ones who are controlling because they have the law and the priest stood in this place of saying, okay, but this is what the law says. So this is what you can and cannot do, because this is what God has said. The priest served as this executor. He also offered up sacrifices for the people in accordance to the law, to the will. This was all in God's covenant. Now, when Jesus came to the world, here we go. Now we're coming into Easter. He came to fulfill the law and all its requirements once and for all. Right? We see this in Matthew five seventeen. He didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. And so when he came and he died upon the cross, he fulfilled all the requirements of the law. He, he took all the law, all the first law, the first covenant, the first will, and he fulfilled it in himself. All that God had required of humanity, he did. In one act, he fulfilled what God had asked of of humanity. In his death, not only did he fulfill the old law, but also ushered in a new covenant in his blood, a new will. And so when we see even in in the, the Passover meal, Jesus said, this is the new covenant of my blood. This is the new covenant. So he fulfilled the old will, And then since that book closed, because now Jesus was the fulfillment of that. But in his death, he gave a new covenant, a new will. Now, again, a will is only valid until someone dies. You can't have a will or you can have a will, but it isn't valid until you're dead. No matter what you want in your will, it doesn't take an effect until there's a death. And so Jesus fulfilled one will, closed it and then opened a new will because he now died. Yes? Now his new will that he gives for you and I, his new covenant, is that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus, not by our own works. That, this was his new will. For all the recipients of his new will, actually, you don't need to work for it. It isn't about sacrifice. It isn't about being a good enough person. But it's simply by coming to faith in Jesus, you'll receive grace. That's his will. That's his covenant he makes with us. That we are given a new life in Christ. That's part of the will that he's given. That we receive his righteousness and his holiness. So again, his will is given. And 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 when you look at his will, you think, okay, his will says, in Christ, I, I now receive the righteousness of Jesus. That's what his dying requests were for me. His dying request for you was that you would receive his righteousness. And his he's taking your shame, your guiltiness, your... Uh, your um, sin, everything you've done wrong. He's going to take that. But His will is that in His death, you would receive His life, His holiness, His righteousness. That's what's in His will for you. That's what you've received. That's You're the benefactor of His will. Okay? He's died, but you're receiving this. He's also in His will for you. It says that we have freedom. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. In fact, He calls us in his will. He calls you to be free. That actually, whatever was your bondage, whatever you were held back by, he's actually paid the price for your freedom. And so in his death, and in his death certificate, in his will, it says you are free. He's proclaimed freedom over your life because that's what he's put in his will for you. That's what he's put your name and said, freedom. I pay you for your freedom. He also actually he goes on, he also says, you know, I've adopted you as sons and daughters. So in my will, my dying requests are that you are brought into the family of God. So when I die, you become children. You become adopted family, you become adopted family. You're gonna be you're gonna be brothers and sisters with me. That's what my dying wishes are: is that you would be part of my family. Make sense? But actually, he also has eternal inheritance that he gives us. And so actually, this will that, that Jesus had in, in his new covenant is that actually we would receive the internal inheritance that is for Jesus. We would actually step in line and receive the same inheritance. Wow, that's amazing. All that had been made known to Christ, all that Christ had received, he's been made, he's given to us. He's just passed it on. He said, "Okay, you're in me, so anything I've received as the internal inheritance of the Father is is yours. You're going to you're going to share in the inheritance with me. All the the goodness of heaven is yours because you're you're with me because I put that in my will for you. Isn't this amazing? What a great will! What a great will!" But here's an interesting thought is that but Jesus didn't just come to us as a sacrifice as one who died for us. But he also came as our high priest, our great high priest. And so if we back it up again, what were the high priests? What were the priest's role? They were the executors of the will. And so when we start looking at the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus died as our sacrifice, one took in our place. But actually, in this whole process, Jesus came to life. And he he remains forever as our high priest. And we're going to read a passage of scripture that that unpackages this a bit. In fact, Hebrews has a lot about Jesus being our great high priest. Now, before we read the scripture, God chose the tribe of Levi. And then he chose within the tribe of Levi, he chose the, the line of Aaron to be the priest. But Jesus was not born from the tribe of Levi. And so for Jesus to say, I'm being your high priest, there's a bit of a problem because he wasn't a Levite. Anyone know what tribe he was from? Judah, which next week you're going to hear a little bit more about that. He was from the tribe of Judah. Well, then how could he be a high priest if he wasn't from the line, the lineage in which he was, he was uh, to be part of? Well, God called him in the order of Melchizedek. He called him in a, an eternal line. We see right back at the time of Abraham, there was Melchizedek who was the king of Salem, but he was also a priest. And, and we see in Scripture, and especially in, in Hebrews, that he had no beginning, he had no end. And so Jesus is declared by God to be the high priest in this line, in this order. And so he has a right in this declaration to be a priest. And so in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 to 15, we're going to read what we what just goes before this aspect of a will. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here. He went through a greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made. That is to say, not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but He entered the most holy place once and for all by His own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and ashes of heifers sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctifying them so that they are outwardly clean. Here's the whole point of the message. Jesus, the high priest, went into not the tabernacle or a temple here on earth, but he went, at the time of his death, he went into a heavenly tabernacle. And he was the priest who then got himself on the table and offered himself as the sacrifice. Again, only the priest could offer the sacrifices for the people. And he became... The, the sacrifice in the heavenly realm. But because of Christ's resurrection, He now stands as the executor of His own will. What does that mean? Okay, let's put it in just kind of everyday context. I have a will. I die. I have um, an estate. I have some money. I've got various things. Three days after my death, I come back to life. But I come back to life as the executor of my estate, of my will. And so all the benefits, all the things I have put in place in my will, I'm now able to see happen because I am the one who made the will. Now, in this day and age, that doesn't, isn't allowed. If you're back to life, the will goes back in the, into the, the safe. You don't carry on. But in the kingly realm, Jesus died. He, his will came into force, came into effect. For three days, he was in the tomb. He was dead, dead. Cold, dead. Almost smelly, dead. He was dead. Okay? He was pronounced dead. But he came back to life. But not alive in the realm that we are alive. He came alive in a heavenly realm, alive. His body was glorified. He didn't come back to life, the old Jesus. He came back to to, alive as the resurrected Jesus with a glorified body. And so in essence, he came back to life, not as how he died, but he came back to life in a resurrected form that enabled him to now execute all that he had put forward in his will. Are you still with me? I realized when I was preparing this, I might lose everyone, but that's okay. We're going to keep going. But there's an important part of understanding this. As an executor of his will, he stands now as the great high priest over you and over me. And as the executor of the will... Jesus stands as the mediator of the new covenant. We've just read this. He makes peace between us and the father. He stands in the gaps and he draws us close. He's now in that place, just like we we see back in the Old Testament. The priest stood in the gap. Jesus is now in the gap, but he's now went into the Holy of Holies. He's made the sacrifice and he now says, come on in. I've made a way. You can come where I am. I'm here. In the holy presence of God, but I've made a way possible, and you can come where I am. Nothing's holding you back. I stand in the gap between you and the will, between you and the Father. I stand in the gap. I am the executor of my will, and I say, "Come on in," because that is my heart. Don't be distant. Don't stand. Don't stand away, uh, uh, kind of off in in the in the distance. But come on in. Jesus is on our side. We see in Hebrews chapter eight, verse twenty three to twenty five, it says this. There is no twenty three to twenty five. That's the problem. Oh, what verse was that? Well, you're going to have to take my word for it now. Jesus lives to intercede for us. Can anyone find that verse? He lives to intercede for us. You and I are not just on our own trying to figure out life. But actually, sorry? Seven. Okay. Okay. Well done. Yes, it says now there have been many of those priests since uh, death prevented them from continuing in office, but because Christ, because Jesus lives forever, he is a permanent, he is a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. I want you just to just catch this thought. Because in the original priesthood of the Levites, they they died, right? They they were a high priest for a certain period, but then they died. It was normal. But because Jesus rose from the dead, he never dies again. Jesus stands now forever in this position as being your high priest. He stands forever in this position of interceding for you. Again, this thought that He is on your side is a powerful thought that Jesus is praying for you. He's interceding on your behalf. He's on your side. Jesus stands in this position where He's now the high priest who who mediates between the Father and us. And He's on your side praying for you, encouraging, standing with you. This is an amazing thought, guys. This is why we celebrate the resurrection. We celebrate the resurrection because Jesus stands forever now in this place as the great high priest, not just as any priest. He's the great high priest, always standing, living, interceding for you and and for me on our behalf. As the executor of his will, he also gives us the power to fulfill his will. The saving power that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in us giving life to our mortal bodies. We see this in Romans eight eleven. His spirit we receive in putting our faith in Him. And so Jesus, as an executor of my will, I want to give you my spirit to help you live it out. But I want to make sure you have everything you need to fulfill the mandate that I have in my will. I am going to help you live it out. You see people who receive a fortune because their parents died. You know, their parents worked hard for the money. And their children receive a million or two a million or a whole big estate of money. And what do they tend to do with it? They often blow it. They often do not use the money as their parents intended. God has given us all the resources of heaven, but his spirit has been given to us to help us live it out. Jesus comes and he now oversees his estate. He oversees all that he's given. He says, I'm going to give you my spirit to, so you're not just kind of fumbling around in the darkness, but I'm going to give you so you know my thoughts. You know my way. I'm going to help you every step of the way, every step of the journey. You've got something of me in you, giving you the power to live out my will. This is an amazing thought. This only comes because Jesus rose from the dead. If Jesus stayed dead, We would have his will, yes, but we would not have his living spirit alive in us. We would not have him as the executor of his will, making sure it happens in us. You see, the pressure isn't upon us. It isn't upon us trying to somehow figure out his will. It's just saying yes to his spirit, who's been given to us to help us understand his will. Jesus stands in this role as the great high priest, But He's given us the power to fulfill His will. I think there would be many people who have died that would be loved to help their children or grandchildren, whoever help them live out their will and not make a mess of their will. Jesus reaches past the grave and He now stands in a position in a different perspective, is able to give life to our mortal bodies. He's able to help us fulfill what He's called us to. You see, Jesus, as the great high priest, also stands in this position of being able to help us in times of weakness. When we when we are struggling to kind of fulfill what he's asked of our lives. We see in Hebrews chapter 4, and it is Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. But we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our times of need. Let us let us go boldly with confidence. Why? Because Jesus stands as a high priest and he and he looks at us and he understands what we're going through. Isn't this amazing that when Jesus looks at you, he's on our side, but he also understands the weaknesses that we face. And sometimes we think we got to put on this front to God, but you know, God, I lived in your shoes. I, I know what you're going through. And again, because Jesus isn't dead, but he's alive, he's able to see that in our weaknesses, in the weaknesses of us trying to fulfill his will, what he's called of us. He says, I understand what you're going through and I can help you. I can sympathize with you. Again, if you continue to read through Hebrews, you see that was part of of the priest's role is they they, they were to understand the people. They're to sympathize with the weaknesses of the people. The only difference is Jesus was without sin. He knew how to conquer sin. He, he knew how to resist temptation. And he said, I can help you in that moment because I know what you're going through because I'm alive right now as your high priest. I'm alive right now as your high priest. He's prepared a way for us that we may enter in and come before him in times of challenge. Lastly, Jesus gives us our inheritance. We see in the passage of scripture that we started with. He says, for. This reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised internal inheritance. You and I deserve nothing. We deserve nothing. And again, it would be that it's the same kind of concept as receiving a phone call from a solicitor saying you've just inherited a million pounds from some person down the road. And You think, well, I don't even I don't even know this person. Are you sure you got the right person? Are you sure it should be me? No. Is your name Tyler Evenson? Are you at 16 Ren Close? Yes. Well, you've, in, you've inherited some fantastic property. You've got lots of money. Well, actually, if it's that person, I I don't even like that person. In fact, I think I've signed petitions against that person. I, I don't, I stand a, I send a pose to that person. Well, actually, the will says that his inheritance is yours. That can't be so. Are you sure? Yeah. Your name's on it. Jesus is that executor of the will. And he knocks on our hearts and he says, I've got your name down. And I want to make sure that you receive the full inheritance. It's yours. I've paid a price that you could receive it all. And because I'm the high priest, I want to make sure you get it. I want to be the executor of the will. And I want to to make sure that you receive everything that's promised in the will. This is amazing. Amazing. Jesus stands in this position and he says, it's yours. I will make sure that you receive your internal inheritance. By faith in Jesus, death, we become eligible for an inheritance that's far beyond what we ever deserve. Our inheritance that we deserve is, is death. But actually our inheritance that we receive in him is eternal life. The inheritance we receive for him is is." is fullness of life. Today, we, we have a great high priest who rose from the dead and stands forever in this position of making sure that we receive His will. If Jesus is standing with us, who can be against us? If He is the executor of His own will, who can argue against the case? He's done it all for you and for me. This whole big story has happened because of His great love for you and for me. This is an amazing thought that Jesus would step into our world, step into our system, would be the sacrifice, would be the curtain, would be the great high priest for you. For me, so that we could live out the life that He intended us to live from the very beginning of time. Our response to this, that He calls us, is to draw near to Him, to not run, but to give way to Him, to say, Yes, God, have your way. If you love me that much, I give my life to you. Do you know, it's an amazing thought that Jesus lives today. That he's on our side. That he wants to make sure that you walk in his promises. That what is put in his will and his new covenant, that you receive it. It is very important to him that that happens. Can I tell you that when we pray, when we give of our lives, we have a high priest who's there listening, mediating on our side. But actually, we also have a priest who's praying for you, who's interceding on your behalf. Isn't that an amazing thought? The creator of the universe is interceding for you right now. In fact, he's given us his spirit that when we pray in the spirit, we intercede on our behalf as well through his spirit. That's how much God loves you. And again, we're just thinking of God as a good father, as a as a loving father, you know what? He, he's made every provision that we could, we could succeed in his, in his, his plan. I hope that in some way this is a comfort to you. Maybe with, with where you're, where you're at in life, with what you're going through, that Jesus is on your side. He is the mediator. He is the one who wants you to walk into the fullness of what he's planned for you and prepared for you. And because he died, his will takes effect. Because he died, his will, his new covenant, is in effect. But again, he's there as now the executor of his will, making sure it happens. Why don't you stand with me, please? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Center Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centchurch.uk.